0: Okay? Yeah. Alright, the scripture this morning is Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. I would appreciate it if everybody could stand for the reading of God's Word. It says, Brothers, if somebody is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature, will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit, Will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers, the word of the Lord.
1: So isn't it unique as you put together a message, you put together a message and and how God pulls things in your way and shows you other things that kind of gives you an idea that maybe you're headed in the right direction with this sermon? Yesterday I was reading my in the devotions for those that read the Reflecting God um, in the devotion yesterday, gave a story by, um, the devotion was by Dwayne Bush, he's the editor of the Reflecting God, and he, he says, he gave a little story about an evangelist that went on an airplane ride, and if you've been on a plane before, you know that some people like to sit there and not say a word and doze off, that was, that would have, that's me, but there's other people that like to, to talk, and sometimes you get kids behind you that like to kick the, kick the chair and stuff. But this evangelist was on the plane like he's done before and the guy next to him looked at him and says, "Oh, what what do you do for a living?" And the evangelist, not wanting to be mean, but he looked over and he said, "I'm in fire insurance." <laughs> and the guy says, "Oh, okay." What kind? And he says, eternal. And I guess the guy totally shut up. But the evangelist had in mind that as he could start that conversation, he could, he could maybe talk to the guy about eternal things. So yesterday I thought, maybe I should change the, uh, change the name of the thing from Be Not Deceived to maybe Fire Insurance. Or maybe it's Fire Assurance. I don't know. One of those. This this message has been a message that has been on my heart for oh a number of years. For you see, my grandmother was a preacher, and so was my grandpa, but my grandma preached her last sermon maybe a couple years before she passed away. And she was in a revival in the local church. And so this was the very last sermon she did was on this scripture. And as she preached it, we recorded it back, you know, back, that's a long time ago, back in the 70s, I think it was, 70, 1969 or 70 is when it was done. And they recorded it and put it on a, for all of you who remember record players, you know, it was a record, and put it on a record, so I uh, translated it into a digital format, and so I've been listening to that a lot and hearing her passion for lost souls and I thought boy someday lord give me a chance and I'm going to do I'm going to preach that and it was about a few weeks ago when when pastor Sid says hey are you available those weekends I go oh yeah and God says hey now's the now's the time put that together and now's the time and so I know that my uh, grandmother would probably uh, she, she'd probably be pleased at what I'm doing today, but uh, she could have done this a whole lot better than me. I should have just I should have just played it today. But it's taken from Galatians. Oh yeah, up there is my my grandpa that I never knew. He was uh, he died in his early 30s, and um, my mom was eight years old. So, David, that's uh, your your grandma up there. That little little girl. And uh, they were both pastors and preached and, uh, and started churches. And I got to sing one time in Oklahoma in one of the churches that they had started. So that was kind of a neat thing. I'm digressing, I know. But Galatians 6. It was Galatians 6. As you... I like to go back... I like to go back as I'm preparing for a message. And it seems like if I'm doing devotions and I'm doing studying, I... I hear one thing from God as I'm doing the scripture and the reading, but as if I'm preparing for a message, I do it a little bit different, and it seems like new things come out that I have never ever heard before or read before. And as I was reading this, and I looked back, and I thought, okay, Paul wrote Galatians, right? So what happened to Paul when he wrote this? This book or these letters to Galatia, what was on his mind? Well, as I start reading, I read that all the other letters that he that he wrote to the other churches, he starts off in the very first verses saying, I thank you for your perseverance or I thank you for, for this or that and the other. It says in Romans, it says, I thank God for you and your faith. In 1 Corinthians it says, I thank God always concerning you. 2 Corinthians says, thank God who comforts us. Ephesians says, blessed be to the God who gives us spiritual blessing. Philippians says, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Everything, every other letter, he starts off by thanking that church for what they're doing and for what God's done in their life. Not true in Galatians. For you see, in Galatians, we have a little different situation with that church that he had started. For it says in Galatians 1.6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. They've heard the message. And as things come in their life, they start drifting away and now they're, they've got a little different different outlook on life and their Christianity than they really should have. Does that sound like United States or even the world today? Sometimes we get on a course and we kind of start slipping a little bit. So I'm going to talk about Galatians first. Galatians speaks to the Galatians' heart status, their heart status. Paul ministered there and he learned that false teachers, which were the Judaizers, were moving in there and deceiving people. Deceiving people. It was not too long ago in one of our travels that I, I ran across a church that I, as I was speaking to the pastor, that was struggling and praying and wondering what she was going to do next in that congregation. For you see, that church was having some, and, and again, you, you have to excuse me today because I'm going to say some things that may not necessarily you may not agree with. But they were into yoga. Now, yoga is not bad. That's not bad. But when it's brought in and that becomes your theology and your lifestyle and you turn away from Christ, it's bad. That's the same way with anything that we do in, in life. If we get really passionate about a particular area and forget God, it's bad for you. And this lady was going through that in her church, this pastor. Because you see, they were all starting to accept a lot of different theology that was out there that was not Christ-like. And how is she going to pull that back in? What was she going to do? So Paul is is looking at this in Galatians, Galatians, and he's looking at the same thing. They're coming in, and they're trying to turn people and say, it's okay to do these particular things. It's okay. Well, he's talking about, in Galatians, he talks about love is fulfilling the law. Through love, you serve one another. Not because of what you want to get out of it, but it's the love is why you're doing this. Then he talks in, in Galatians, he says, Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Wow. You shall not do that. And in Galatians 6.3 he says, If anyone thinks of himself to be something and he is nothing, he deceives himself. Examine yourself this morning as God talks to our hearts of where are we in our walk with Christ today In Matthew 13 Jesus talks about the parable of the heart He talks about the parable of the heart And as I go back to um, Galatians I mean uh, Matthew 13 the first thing I read in here in, in 13 verses 1 through 9 says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, and he saw large crowds gathered around him, that he got into the boat and sat in it a while, while the others stood on the shore. Then he told them many things through parables. We've read about a lot of those parables, haven't we? And he says, The farmer went out to sow the seed. As he scattered the seeds, some fell... Along the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Some fell on rocky places where it, it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, and when the sun came out, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still another seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Whoever hears, let him hear. Do those words sound familiar too? If you've read Revelation, all the letters to the churches, the seven churches of the Apocalypse, he ends by saying, "Whoever has ears, let him hear." And as I read through, as I read through chapter. Thirteen, he, Jesus goes in and tells different parables, and and the first thing he does is he comes up and he and he and the um, uh, where am I at here, and then he talks about the parable of the weeds is the next thing on his list, and then he talks about the parable of the mustard seed and he talks about the yeast and all that, in the meantime. The disciples, we talked about the disciples last week, right? Being fishermen, and they're trying to follow Christ, and they, they're, they're watching Him, they're watching the miracles He's done, and they're following along with Him, watching this. So they hear the parables, and they're going, what's being a farmer and seeds have to do with what's going on? So they come up and they say, So, Jesus, would you explain the parable of the seeds? So He explains it. And then he goes on preaching some more. Pretty soon he comes up and he says, and here's the parable of the weeds. And they go, "Um, excuse me, sir, can you explain that to me? Have you ever had that happen before where you're reading Scripture and you're going, man, what does that mean? What does that mean? That's why I said a lot of times when I'm I'm, uh, preparing for a sermon, I do a lot of, research and and re- doing different reading and and I would challenge you if you really want to get into the scripture have some other books some concordances some study Bibles the study Bible I have today I uh, was given at the uh, from the district to me but any study Bible or anything like that read up on it Charles Wesley I mean uh, John Wesley has a lot of books out there that that, that he had wrote and stuff Read it and study, because the more you absorb of Christ, the harder it's going to be for Satan to come in and plant those weeds that are going to grow up, that are going to choke you out. Okay, you with me? So that he explains, let me read the scripture that Jesus explains the parable of the weeds. The parable of the weeds, because we don't want weeds in our life, do we? Seems like I'm always out in my lawn digging up dandelions and while they're kind of pretty, they're really not because they choke out the, the, uh, the grass around and that's what weeds will do. So Jesus tells, the kingdom of heaven is like, uh, let's go, excuse me, back up. Then he, then he left the crowd and went to, into the house and the disciples came to him and said, explain to us this parable of the weeds in the field. And he answers, the one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. The enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of age, and harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of age. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace. There they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Pretty explicit, isn't it? If you've allowed weeds to come in and take over your your spiritual life, when the day comes, do you want Christ to say, welcome into my kingdom, thy good and faithful servant? Or will He come in and say, I don't know you. I don't know you. what is your heart status this morning? Are you sowing good weeds? My grandma, as I was listening to this, I said, the passion she had for souls. She kept saying over and over again in this sermon, she says, I love every one of you. And I want to meet you in heaven. I don't want these weeds to come in and choke you out, and leave you to the fiery furnace. I want you to be in heaven with me. And she says, my heart is heavy. You know, I don't know, two years before she passed away preaching this, you know, the, the passion she had for lost souls. Do we today... Have a passion for lost souls. I've been, I've been watching the news on the on the uh, Hurricane Harvey and all the devastation that's taken place, and all the people are packing up their stuff and headed down there. And as we mentioned this morning in Sunday school, a lot of the a lot of the media is. Is, is is damning what's going on in the Christian realms of looking at this disaster. There is nothing wrong, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with us packing stuff up, food, clothing, and headed down there to help. But we need to be doing that with a loving heart of seeing lost souls, that if we can reach them for Christ through this, and let them look up and see Christ? Because, you know, there's some people in this world, I happen to be one of them, that could not come to Christ until there, was a, until there was a disaster in my life or something happened in my life. And a lot of people are like that. They can't see Christ until disaster hits. And they have nowhere to go. We've been in prisons To where that's where a lot of the prisoners, the inmates have said, you know, by the way, we did not accept Christ into our life and turn from sin until we were in prison. We had either committed murder or theft or we did something and they don't share what they did, but it took going to prison and being in there to have them look up and say, I need Christ. I need somebody. Help me, help me! Remember, we were talking last week about the the disciples in there, and they said, "Lord, help me! I'm perishing." That's what those that do not know Christ today are looking up and saying, "Lord, help me! I'm perishing." As we go down to Harvey, to the to the to the remnants of of what's happened there with the flooding, are they going down there to help them and saying? You know, Jesus Christ can help you to restore your life if you will follow Him. Now, I've heard people say to me, I've heard people say this before, well, I don't believe in this Jesus, and I don't believe what the Bible says. Let me tell you one thing. Number one is, if you don't believe in it, you're a fool, my personal opinion. But second of all, when we die, we are going to go somewhere. If you don't believe in Christ, you know where you're going to go. If there's nothing to this Christ thing, if there's nothing to it, aren't I a better person? I share with them, aren't I a better person? And... and. and but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt in my heart that Jesus Christ lives. And He lives within me. And He speaks to me. And through the storm that I talked about last week that I was going through, it took Christ to come in and pull me out of that storm. Just like He's going to have to do with the, with the people down in, uh, in, in Texas and Louisiana. He's going to have to help them pull themselves up with people's help. Amen? So don't get me wrong. I'm okay with people taking stuff down. But do it in a love in your heart that you're going to share the gospel to a lost and dying world. Have that passion. My grandma said, my heart is heavy. Is your heart heavy this morning for lost souls? are we saying to ourselves, you know, I, I've spoke to this person over and over again. And I'm just tired of talking to that person. They're just not getting it. I've heard so many people say, "I have spoke to someone. I've prayed for someone for years." My mom prayed for my dad for years. took me to church every Sunday. Prayed for my dad, and it was a few years before he passed away. He was gloriously saved. It's worth it, folks. It's worth it. Continue on, con- continue on, continuing on. Is that good English? Probably not. I'm sorry, David. My English gets gets bad. In Revelation, in, in Revelation uh, uh, three, it talks a lot about. So then, it says, if you're lukewarm, and you're neither hot nor cold, Christ says, I will vomit you out. We can't be sitting on a fence, folks, as a Christian. We can't be sitting on a fence going, well, you know, sometimes I like doing this. And it's okay today. But when a hard time comes, God, would you help me get out of this fix? Does that ever happen? Don't let the weeds come in and warp your mind and your spiritual life to what's real. This is real, folks. How many brought your Bibles today? Not the pew Bibles, but brought your Bibles? What did I say last week? I even I go into prisons and they all have their Bibles in the service. Bring your Bibles to church. Continually examine yourself. Examine through prayer and devotion and reading scripture. Examine yourself to God's example, Christ's example. Don't look at somebody next to you. Don't look at your neighbor and say, Boy, they are are really on fire for the Lord. I, I want to be just like them. Examine your life through the model that Christ gives you through His Word. The great commandment says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and, Ah, yeah, your neighbors yourself. Texas. Love them. But first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment. And as we do that, then we can love others and help others out of situations. Amen? If I don't hear amens, this sermon may last a long time. If the farmer, now I've never been a farmer. Who's been farmers in here? Lee, you've been a farmer, haven't you? Okay. Farmers. If you plant corn, don't you expect corn to come up? Do you? And if you plant wheat, what do you expect to come up? Wheat. Do you ever get any weeds in there at the time you plant and it comes up? Yeah, you do a lot. But if whatever you plant, you expect to reap that. If you're planted in Christ and you're giving the seeds of hope, of eternal salvation with Jesus Christ, it's going to come back to you twofold, a hundredfold, just like the scripture said. Amen. Are you allowing today Satan to put in little weeds into your life? The next thing says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever we sow, that shall we also reap. Isn't it foolish? To think that we can sow of the flesh and escape the destruction and the devastation that is at the end of the life on earth as we know it. I can do whatever I want to today. And I've heard this before. I became a Christian and now I can do anything I want to do. I don't read that, folks. I read that he who sows of the Spirit will reap everlasting life. Not you that sow whatever you want to sow and it will just work out in the end. We serve an all-seeing God that knows everything about us, even our motives. Remember in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments? Remember that? Anybody ever read the Ten Commandments? Okay, It's not posted anymore, but you may have, you may have read it somewhere in your history books. Remember all the, all the commandments that are there. Not suggestions, but commandments. Then you read in the New Testament where Christ is asked about the Ten Commandments and He even takes it one step further. If your thoughts... If your thoughts are evil, you've sinned. If your thoughts are evil, you've sinned. My God knows every thought that goes in this little old mind up here. Linda and I have been married almost 48 years. And as all of you know, when you're married a long time, you you act like each other and you think like each other. But I know that there's probably things that has never come up that we've never discussed of something that's ever happened to us that's back here somewhere in the back of our brain. But God knows. God knows every thought in your mind. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? And I hear this a lot too. You know, I'm okay because I... I know God. Yeah, and I go to church once in a while. But I know God. So that's okay. I'm, I'm okay. Because I know God. I got an answer to that. I do business up at Grease Monkey on North Main. I know Ted. Ted's the Ted's the manager up there. I know Ted. He's a really nice guy. He helps me out once in a while with some of the things that need to get done to the van. I know Ted. But he does not know the inner depth, depths of my life and my heart. Just because you know God, he does know your inner thoughts, but that doesn't give you a good relationship with Christ. You need a special, personal relationship. Relationship with Jesus Christ he will help you when the weeds kind of sneak in a little bit the Holy Spirit says hey there's a dandelion growing you need to get that sucker out or let me help you get that dandelion out of your life he'll keep you on the straight and narrow but you can't veer on a daily basis and do what you think you want to do just because I'm okay with it Everybody else is doing it. Why can't I do this? My neighbor down the street does it all the time. And he seems like he's okay. You can't... It's not like that. It's not a relationship with Christ that I just come and go as I please. Amen? I'm not hearing any amens. And it's... uh... John in Revelation speaks to the churches in Pergamum and Thyatira about yielding to the temptation of Balaam and Jezebel. So even in the seven churches of the apocalypse, John is speaking to these churches about things that have gotten into their lives, that have twisted their theology of what they should be looking at, what Christ wants them, the way Christ wants them to live. And then he says at the end of every one of his, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches or to us. The in, in Galatians also, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Anybody ever read that one before? I'm probably throwing out Scripture and things in the Bible that you've never heard of before. But read it. The The... It is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. If you look at, uh, I think it's in chapter 5. I lost it. But every one of those is is part of a fruit. I was going to bring in a, a nice juicy peach today. And think of an apple or a peach. Kind of close your eyes and get this image in. That is a peach. That is a fruit. But it's juicy. It's sweet. It's filling. It has vitamins. It has all these neat things in it that you could start naming one right after the other. The fruit of the Spirit is the same way. When we become a follower of Christ and we're passionate about Winning others, and we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself, we will be reflecting the fruit of the Spirit. Not one of them, but you'll be showing all of them. Is your life today showing all the fruit of the Spirit? I'm kind to people. I'm patient. But don't ask me not to talk about somebody. Don't ask me not to lie about somebody. But I'm kind to them. The fruit of the Spirit is everything. If you're following Christ today, you are an example of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Let me tell you today, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. There is a heaven and a hell. We don't hear that enough today, but I I read that in the explanation of the parable of the weeds. Someday angels are going to come and they're going to sort out the wheat or the corn, whatever it is, from the weeds and the weeds are going to be burn up they will spend eternity in hell do you remember in uh, Luke Luke 16 Jesus speaks about the rich man and the beggar Lazarus that was at the gate remember they both died and Lazarus died and went to heaven rich man went to hell remember that story Rich man lifted up his eyes to heaven and he and he saw Lazarus and he's and the rich man's in torment and it's hot down there. This is where he's going to spend eternity. And he looks up at Lazarus and he said if you could just have Lazarus just put his finger in a drop of water and put it on my tongue. It'll just help a little bit. The rich man was in so much turmoil. There is a heaven and a hell. No doubt about it. Don't be like the rich man, looking up and saying, oh, I really messed up. I think about, I I think about the movie, um, Think about that movie where Christ comes back and everybody's gone, left behind, hey, okay. You too will get old someday. I think about that movie, and if you've seen it, you can think back with me and and look, look at that. The guy that was the associate pastor at the church. was left behind. And he thought, oh, how could that happen? I've been good. I've been doing all this stuff. I'm an assistant pastor at this church. What happened? Please don't let that happen to you. Christ comes back and you're still here. Seek the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. Christ loves you today. He does not want weeds to come into your life. But it's a fact they will. Satan doesn't like you close to the Lord. But it is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're struggling today, I mentioned it last week. We as a congregation can hold people up in prayer and help. I can't go down to, to, to Texas to help with the flooding, but I can hold them up in prayer. I can hold the churches up in prayer as they help to minister, but I can't do anything. I pray for my kids, my grandkids, all the time. But I can't accept Christ into my life for them. It has to be personal. If you're going through something today, you have the choice. You have to make the move. I can't do it for you. If you're struggling today with the weed in your life that you just can't get rid of, or as we've been discussing things, there's something that's coming into your life that's, that's kind of dragging you away from Christ? Something that's messing up your theology with Christ? Today's the day to get that right. Right now. I talked earlier about the, the altar. The altar's always open. I love that. The scripture says in uh, Psalm 139 Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's anything in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. Is that your prayer this morning? I will say, as my grandmother said in the message, I love you guys. And I don't want you to slip and end up in hell. I want to see each and every face in heaven. I don't want you to slip. Stand with me, would you? And my heart is heavy. I know there's probably somebody that's going through something today that they need to pray about. I'd love to pray with you. If you're going through any anything, any trial, Satan's been on your case. You've slipped around and you think that there's other things out there that just don't fit in. But you know what's right. Come and help. Come and talk to the Lord. I have found that he's such a neat guy to talk to. He's so easy to talk to. There's no special prayer. It's like talking to a friend. Because he is your friend. As Irene played that through one time, if you need to come and pray, please do. If you must go, go quietly. But if you'd like to stay and pray, you may be seated to pray. Thank you all, and I do love you guys.